The question in my mind is, how do you create or relaunch a highly profitable and successful six to seven figure business? With so much conflicting advice about the best ways to start and grow your business, how do you get it right the first time? I want to help entrepreneurs make a real difference and navigate the messy world of startup or relaunch. My name is John North, and this is the Startup Secrets for Entrepreneurs show. Join me today when we dig deep with our guests and get you the best blueprint so you can fast track your own business. This episode is sponsored by Volpreneur.app, your all-in-one online business system. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at StartupSecrets.show right now. So let's get into the day's episode. My name is Ian Moyes. I've just been on the Startup Secrets show, and you will hear about how we discussed moving the, the dials in, in new businesses, um, the challenges of, of salespeople driving new sales, how the buyer has changed, and how you can really uh, create new new business through doing the basics really well, questioning skills and building rapport with customers that, that results in new revenue. So my very special guest is Ian Moyes, who's a long-time sales leader and chief revenue officer at 1UP Sales. So welcome Ian to the show. Thank you so much and hopefully uh, can give some value to your audience from the experiences I have been through. Cool. We can always dig in. <laughs> so give me a little bit of your background. Like how did you get to where you are now? Because I mean, most entrepreneurs don't necessarily start off that as they mean to go on. So how did you sort of, what was your sort of background? Sure. And Sure. Yeah. Fell in. So I'll give it very short. Fell into sales accidentally. I was a programmer, techie, loved IT and technology, and then realized actually there's more money to be made in sales quicker with company vehicle and all, all the toys that come with it many, many years ago. So moved into sales and then accidentally over that period, my first business I joined was a was four people, one, two, three, four, five people when I joined it. I was number six, first inside salesperson. So I sort of experienced the small bit at the beginning without choosing to or, re- or mm. particularly realizing I was doing that. And I've worked in seven smaller companies since, four through to exit while I've been leading the sales business. So I've got a lot of experience of hands-on, regardless of the title, hands-on, getting involved, driving momentum, driving growth. So has that been predominantly in sort of a technical area? Like, is that sort of the the area, the business you've been involved in, been of some technical IT kind of nature, or has it been across? No, the- no. So I've led since since I moved out of that first technical role. I've been in well initially sales, then sales. I would argue sales management, and then through to now, I would argue sales leadership. Right? There's a diff- difference. I wouldn't say I went straight. I was a sales leader. You weren't. You can argue what the title was, but you mm. you you evolve in yourself through the experience that you gain. So it's been on the sales side of the business for the majority of my career, where I was trained to be on the technical side. Um, so I evolved and changed firstly into that, and then I've changed through multiple roles. I've always worked in the IT, selling the IT technical side of the business, mm-hmm. um, but I've had to evolve and change through lots of different technologies in that in that period as well. So, with di- which means different market segments and different competitors. So I'm constantly pivoting and, ch- and realizing change how do you apply the skills that you've and experience you've had but by learning and i've realized it's not about the product knowledge it, it's skill and experience is transposable mm. product, product can change right and I've, I've worked in the security market 
high technology security market, the telephony, telecommunications market, the CRM market, etc. Almost arguably, almost any industry now is IT, right? It's almost there's not many like you know you can't even go to Macca's for example. It's not IT based, so you've got the self ordering machines and all that sort of stuff. So the reality is everything's almost IT. Everything's touched by it, certainly. Mm. Our world has changed if you look over the last fifteen years, and our customer has changed. Mm. You know, also the customer has changed exactly for the reason you cite there that the customer has access to and is more knowledgeable than they've ever been before. We all have access to the internet and Google mm. and anywhere, anytime, any device, you can, how many of you listening have searched, you know, been in a, in a retail store, maybe not so recently, or we're just getting back there, <laughs> seen, a product, seen a product and you quickly go online to check out reviews of it. Or oh, it? before I purchase, I can quickly check out, well, what is this a good product and how much is it online? And it, Yeah, it's quite interesting that? actually. Yeah. I. I actually was in a shop not long ago, probably a couple of years ago now, and I was trying to find a, I forget, some sort of um, electrical device, the kitchen or whatever, and I asked the sales guy which one's better because there was two or three there. Because when you talk to the sales guy in, a, in an electrical place, one of the things you can't really find on Google is really what sells the most and, and you know what problems they have. So the sales guy is usually pretty pretty good guy to ask that question to. This guy says to me, oh, just Google it and walked away from me <laughs> and it's yeah. like man you don't even you don't even bother trying to explain anything you're just going to make me google the product um and i thought to myself you lost the, the the whole reason for you what you were there for you're not there to google you're there to help someone make a decision based yeah. on your experience not on what google tells you <laughs> it's like funny but um yeah so and then the other thing too i think with sales is that it's if you're a technical person, you follow a process because you have to in a technical role because if you don't follow the steps, you won't get the result. And so I think with sales, it's very similar. Like I think very technical people can master sales better than most because they can actually follow a process. And then to me, sales is just a process. You have to, you can't jump ahead of the process when you're doing a sales process, you know? Yeah, and I think the, the big thing I would say with sales is a lot of salespeople over process it. Mm. Let me explain what I mean by it. This is a mistake I think a lot of people make in when they're um, setting up businesses, trying to, build, trying to build their revenue and in recruiting salespeople. So over the years, you know, I've been through and you, and you get sales, but there's lots of sales processes out there. You know, Bant, Scotsman, Spin, Target Account Selling, and keep going, right? There's, there's loads of them. Mm. And there's nothing fundamentally wrong with having an underlying framework, but too many people see them as a process. And let me let me give you a, a, a simple example. You interview your salespeople to join your to join your business. They're going to help you grow. And and I know I use Bant's process. They can talk you through it. Budget, authority, need, times, go. What I'm worried about is how methodically, to your point, they use that process. Mm. And methodically meaning. Too methodic is a negative. Yeah, because example, you're not listening to the customer, are you? Just basically. Yeah. Exactly. They go, well, I've got the. I ask. I, I ask, is there a budget, right? And that, and that gives me a tick box. I ask that. Then I find out, uh, do they have the decision making time? Okay, so now you're for, now now you're like a robot because I don't care fundamentally if there's a budget hmm. because if my product or service adds value to their business, they will create a budget and find it. They're just saying if you're a budget, yes or no. No, there's no budget. Have you ever bought something when you didn't have a budget or didn't expect to spend it? Well, the whole world lives off of credit. 
Let's yeah. be frank about that. Yeah. Credit card companies make a fortune. People buy ahead of when they can afford it. That is mm. the natural behavior of the majority of people on the planet today, mm. which is why credit card companies have a business. Oh, it's easy for them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're saying, do you have a budget? Well, no. Well, no, everyone buys when they don't have a budget. They go, oh, I want this new car or I want this new mm. stereo or new phone. Do they save up in today's world? Wait, so they've got the cash. No, they buy it on credit and then pay it pay it off as they can afford it. Mm. Well, that that means everyone's buying when they don't have a budget. They're not ready for it. Right? Exactly. So, I mean, I saw something interesting on Facebook just recently that had um, the, the statement that said, someone will pay $1,000 for a new iPhone and not think about it. But when they've got to pay a thousand dollars for for some training on something, they'll say that's too expensive. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's perceived value, right? It's yeah. perceived value in the eyes of the purchaser, um, and that's what you've got to quantify. So, you know, I say to people, I get I get all that, and there's these frameworks, but the fundamental for me in good salespeople that are going to drive your business growth are ability. Number one is ability and aptitude. Mm-hmm. Because I can train product knowledge, I can train, coach you around things around it. But it, 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 that it, it is determination. Yeah, it's teach common sense. <laughs> yeah, determination and tenacity need to be mm. in there, right? And that, but for me, it's the doing the basics of selling well. It's engaging and building rapport. Rapport turns into relationship. You don't just get a relationship. Um, and it's questioning skills. It's questioning and listening skills. Doing them extremely well habitually again and again you learn more about the customer you learn more about their drivers and what, what how you could help them remember your job as a salesperson as a professional salesperson is to help the buyer to gain value and benefit not to uh, achieve a sale where it's not the right sale mm-hmm. so that means qualify out where it's not a good prospect right because yep. ironically what will probably happen is they'll kick the tires anyway. You might get a sale, but it'll be, it'll be a painful one, and then mm. the customer won't enjoy it, and they're going to be looking over your shoulder because they're not going to be happy with you. Yep. So you, you could be. It's not going to be a productive sale, um, and it'll probably take you longer. Well, if it's, the reason it's taking you longer is they're not seeing the value. If you can demonstrate the value to a customer, they typically buy quicker. You get more momentum in your business. They're happier. They refer you to other people. Blah 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 blah, and they keep. If it's a renewal business, they keep renewing with you. Mm. And I think the thing is that you know value in the mind of the beholder. I mean, there was a I don't know if you've heard of, probably heard of NFTs where people are basically buying these images, Bitcoin style images on on blockchain, and someone bought this image which of blank wall, right? And they paid ten thousand dollars or whatever it was for this blank wall. And you're thinking to yourself, that was in the eyes of the beholder. So someone saw value in that um, and paid a lot of money for it, whereas someone else would say, well, you know, I don't get that. Why would you? <laughs> spend it but that's that's it's them making that decision value. yeah it's perceived value in the eyes of the customer absolutely and artwork is a prime example for that people pay over the odds because they like it or they really want to own it mm. it's not about the the actual value of a piece of canvas with some paint slapped on it or really one of it's it's the perceived value they have for i want to own that piece of art and also, I think in that situation, too, well, in most sales situation, I think is that the real reason why someone's buying doesn't necessarily mean you even know that. You may not even know that that's the reason why they're buying. You think they're buying it for one reason, and then after they buy it, they might say, "Well, the real reason I bought this was because of this." And so, I think sometimes you know you can make an assumption that they're buying for a certain reason and they're not. 
and that, yeah. and that for me is an example of where the and, and no one's perfect right me included mm. but that's where the questioning comes in because most salespeople don't know don't know don't know don't know and here's a good example of a learning exercise for individuals listening is you ask questions to try and win a business if you lose a piece of business if you don't know why ask the customer there's no, the number of times i will say even as a sales leader i'll say to myself well let me what do we lose and, and if, if, if i'm not confident it's really a clear answer mm. well let's call them i'll call them and i'll call them so i'm not trying to convince you in any way i respect you gave us some time and, and we gave you some time i'd like a few moments of your time therefore all I'd like to know is what what could we have done differently, or we just were we just not a good fit? But what was the real reason? Mm. Because you can mm. learn from that. It could be, do you know what? We were never going to sell to this customer. We weren't a good fit, um, but we burned all of this company time and effort of individuals mm. trying to win this business. Well, we should have known that. What they've just told me. <clears throat> then the question is, why didn't we know that right at the beginning? Because we could have done if we'd asked the right questions. There's a coaching exercise now for the salesperson. Um, as a learn, not a punishment, but a learning exercise of right. This is how we need to be better, because we should have exited that sales engagement far sooner mm. for the right reasons, because mm. we wouldn't have won it regardless, and we would have put less effort into it and put more effort in somewhere else, which would have generated revenue in a different customer. And not only that, like in the end of the day, that person um, is the most honest with you too. Like I mean, they don't go ahead with you; they're not your customer, and they've got nothing to lose. You get a lot. You typically get a better answer out of them than you would out of a customer bought from you because they're just going to think, well, I don't want to upset them too much and tell them something. They might not give me good service. So, you know, I reckon that the person doesn't buy from you if you're willing to listen to them. I think they're the most valuable ones you can get. And most of them are surprised that you've asked that question. I've had people say, well, do you know what? I respect that because no one else ever contact ever asked that question mm. when they've lost the business. It's oh, and they might ask on the call, why did we lose? but they don't really dig in. They've done all this questioning to try and win it, but they don't really put any effort into understanding why we lost it, which mm. to me is madness. And, and yeah, so it's a good exercise to go and try and find out. And I mean, you know, in some of the bigger businesses you see, they've, they've got a lot of that built in automation where they leave, they want to know why, but in a smaller operation, you don't tend to build that in because it's it's either too time consuming or you'd, in that situation, you just don't think to do it. So I think it's a great idea. Like, I think it's probably, in some cases, I've gone back to people and said, oh, why didn't you go ahead? And they come back and said, oh, no, because I'm buying it next week from you. <laughs> you know, like, you actually realize that you'd lost the sale, but actually not. They were actually, you know, coming back. They just didn't, you know, just the timing was wrong too. So I think sometimes timing is a big thing too. I think just because someone doesn't buy from you today doesn't mean they won't buy from you next year. Exactly. I always say to people when, and this is another point, when you're about, when you're talking to a prospective customer, you know, people, salespeople often are, have got these blinkers on that I've got to sell to you now. And and the customers often are getting into that mode of, yeah, no, no I don't need to talk to you. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in the buying mode. Mm. And my answer is, um, do you only ever speak to people when you're buying something, right? I, I'm not, I'm not expecting you to be in the buying mode right now. I just want a conversation. Mm. And often I've had conversations with people um, and it's ended that way, right? We've had, I get my team say, you know, get a 15 minute coffee conversation with someone. And what, um, and what we're looking to do is discover if there's any value now or in the future that we can bring to each other. It's a conversation, not I'm trying to sell you this right now. Mm. And some of those conversations, they've said things to me 
and I've and, and I've heard something said, and it's nothing to do with me selling them what we've got. And I've heard something said, Rick, what what's the problem you having with that? And they've said something said, and I had one recently where I could help them out through an old contact for a problem they're having with the product they've got. And I know someone very senior in that business. And I said, no, I think it can do that. Well, I would say I'm told it's not. I said, no, I'm pretty sure. And I helped them mm. and they got it resolved and it could do that. But they were in, a, in this corner of, yeah, where we, I've got a problem. So I saw, helped them solve a problem with something else they've got, right? We still haven't solved to them, but I've got a rapport now with that individual that, oh, I did them a favor. Others I've had that conversation with, 15 minutes has turned into a two hour conversation because they've suddenly gone, ask question, ask question to me, ask mm. question. Oh my gosh, we didn't, we didn't realize this. And on problems have come out that yes, we can solve and natural conversations evolve to it. So it's an exploratory conversation to see if we can bring value to each other now or in the future, not a sales company. I'm not trying to sell you something. Mm. And, and that's the case of taking it one step at a time, right? So, you know, you're trying to hurry the process and, and, and sort of saying, okay, I've done the rapport building in the first three minutes, now I'm going to move on to, and it's like, you can't really do it that way because you've got to, you've got to feel it through and know what you're doing. And I think that's, that's important. Another thing too is, you know, that particular client may, that person may never buy from you, but now they like you. I mean, I've had several situations lately on, on LinkedIn where I've spoken to someone who hasn't a clue who I am. And then suddenly out of the blue, I get all these, I've got three referrals from people he knows to for, for people come on the show or look at a product and stuff like that. And you think to yourself, that yeah. person has got enough um, trust in you or whatever from just that small interaction to want to start referring you to their friends. And he may never buy from me, but it doesn't matter because he's giving me referrals. And this is even probably better, right? Because my referral is a much you know, ni- nicer lead than someone that's cold coming in and going, well, you know, I don't know who you are, you've got to prove it. Do you want simple and effective ways to get started that don't cost a fortune in time and money? Discover the best steps for each strategy we teach and the most important areas to focus on, and even to connect with your best customers and grow an online community. Grab your free copy of Startup Secrets for Entrepreneurs at startupsecrets.show. Totally agree. Referrals are the best sales opportunity you can ever have, right? So yeah, the more people you talk to, the more accidental business you get. That, mm. That's what I've found. That's what I've discovered. And with social media, social influence, reaching out, you know, the more you take part, the more you give it, you give, whether it be, you know, contributing, answering someone's question, don't always have the agenda. I've got, I'm blinking on selling my thing. Mm. How am I giving value to people? You know, you're not giving free consulting, going out there and getting given three days free. Work. I get that. There's a balance, but <laughs> is contributing. If the more you contribute and you have more conversations with people, and I say to people, you know, if you get, we're getting back to the real world now, when you go to events, I say to my salespeople, when you sit down in the auditorium and, and you're listening to a, a talk on something, and you go into another one, or you come back after coffee, move around, sit next to different people every, all day. Every mm-hmm. time you sit down, you can sit it's next to two else. people. Mm-hmm. and talk to them because yes. that's two people you have a conversation with not a sales conversation you have a conversation a natural about what what you're here for and who do you are you work for okay don't you oh, find that you find though sometimes you sit in that seat and then someone else comes along and goes from the previous session they were sitting there <laughs> it's like it's like yeah. hey what are you doing yeah. on my seat weird, weird one, right yeah, it's quite it's funny, isn't it? Like you, it's almost like you're programmed to go back and sit in the same place. And I, I always found even at those events, if you had to sit at a different place, you got a whole different perception of what was going on front of the front of the place as well in terms of the presenters and stuff like that. It's quite amazing just moving yourself between places. You can get a whole different perspective. 
all you're having right is conversations create conversations with people mm. that aren't a sales pitch they are a conversation mm. and i remember one many many years ago i sat next to someone just that chit chat conversation that turned in to being a, a large european sale for me because that individual happened to be the cio of a business mm. and we were just chit chatting he said and, and i remember people will ask you what do you do Mm, right it, mm. and it's not for a sales pitch but what do you oh well we do this sort of stuff whatever and, oh that's interesting and they'll ask if it if it's fits or it's interesting they'll probably probe you and go well, what would you, we should have a conversation about that mm-hmm. right and it turned and it evolved from that into a business card it evolved that into a phone call into etc 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 and i always remember is that started off by me accidentally sitting next to them and saying morning what are you here for? And we ended up, who do you work for? Natural yeah. chit chat yeah. between you. Yeah. Right. So if you don't know, if I had had that conversation, I wouldn't have got that business. Mm. The more conversations you have, the more luck you create. And at the same time, if you sell too early, you would chase them away and they'll, they'll run for cover. So I think people pick up pretty quickly if you're trying to force the issue. So it's just taking one step at a time. So you yeah. spoke before yeah. about the fact you were doing uh, growth based scenarios where you and i'm guessing and i won't preempt what you've done but preempting the fact that you grew a company pretty fast and obviously that's through salespeople. um yes what's the kind of concept that you usually work on if, if you're starting a new company up and and some of that can be a problem because if you aren't doing enough earning enough revenue you can't afford salespeople, and then you put it off maybe too long and then you've got that opportunity that you you know and then you employ the wrong sort of people and then you're in trouble so you know, that's usually the way that most people run with this kind of thing. So what's your kind of secret to success in terms of the way you do that? So one is I've been hands-on. So when, when I've started in organizations, many times I've been the hands-on salesperson. So, you know, I've gone from, I remember once going from leading a, a really big team, big company, all the rest of it, nice title, to actually it's me bag carrying with a view to building this out and building a team. That's what I'm doing where I am now. And I've now mm. got a team of four that I've built out. But when I started here, it was me owning sales and marketing, hands-on, doing the demos, doing the doing the sale myself, which is a good way to learn the realities of the challenges that your salespeople are gonna face mm. so you can better support and help them. So A, I would suggest um, don't lose that entrepreneurial piece of being scared to do it yourself and get hands-on because mm. then you realize what, what, what it takes and the, and the challenges. And when you do hire a salesperson, it's not necessarily, get, people get hung up, I think, on hiring, you know, hiring a salesperson from a competitor, hiring a salesperson who's, who's highly, massively costly and experienced. There are a lot of junior salespeople out there who are up and coming, who do the job very well, who work really hard and are aspirational in their careers. It's finding them and quantifying that they're a good salesperson, right? And that's for me looking at too many people got hung up, get hung up on buying into the experience um, of hiring a salesperson who's got 20 years experience. Well, they've got the experience, therefore they're a slam dunk. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, oh, this salesperson only got two years experience. Okay, it doesn't mean they're not good, it just means they've only been doing it for two years. And some That's people who have done it for 20 years have been doing the same thing every year for 20 years. So really, they've only got one year's experience. <laughs> and often I find the more the ones with a lot more experience have become, A, become, have got bad habits. Yeah. B, the world, the buyer has changed. Have they? Have they changed? Because mm. the way it was 30 years, 20 years ago, 
Mm. Uh, the buyer didn't have access to internet, wasn't as informed as they are now. They were coming for information to start with, weren't they? Right. So, so, you know, I've had, yeah, I've had experienced salespeople who, who sit in front of me at interview and, and as an experienced salesperson myself, I, I, I sort of spot this is they're not good at questioning. They're not, what they're doing is going through a, a, a robotic process. They're not asking good questions they're, because they could get away with it. Years ago, they got away with it. And they just keep doing what they did and churning the wheel because it sort of works and they know it all. Guess what? They know it all mm-hmm. because they've been doing it 20 years. Whereas an, I, my answer is I've been doing this a long time, but I'm still learning. Every single phone call I have with a prospect, I'm tuning and learning and thinking, did I ask the right questions? What did I miss there? And don't be scared, you know, and I'll phone them back and say, do you know what? I've gone through my notes from the meeting and I should have asked you two or three other questions, bad on me, but I'm, I wanted to call you back and go through them now. So many experienced salespeople won't do that because they've got the, oh, I've nailed it first time, right? I had a great call. I had a great call. I've got a great relationship. Mm. No, you haven't. How, <laughs> how often have you spoken to them? Oh, I've had a couple of calls and we've got a great relationship. No, what you've got is great rapport. The mm. fact you're calling it relationship already probably is already wrong. <laughs> you know, you're, you're being assumptive. And, and now I've got all the answers. And I'll ask them mm. 10 questions and it will be, so you don't have all the answers. Whereas a young salesperson will eat that up and go, learning exercise. Not not you're catching me out, not negative, learning exercise. Yeah, next time I'll do better and I'll figure it out, yeah. And, I've, and, I, and I always I a great assumption, great assumption for salespeople is never assume you've got the sale and never assume you haven't got the sale. <laughs> like never assume anything because I think that's the, the danger of, you know, an experienced salesperson will assume they won't buy based on their experience. But sometimes, you know, the more naive person will come along and go, I'll get them to buy and they go and buy it. And you think, well, that's because you didn't put that barrier up. You know, you, you can't be making decisions for them. You know, you've got to let them make their own decisions at the end of the day. Well, a good decider is exactly that, the way they ask the question. So if they say, I'm going to win it because there's an amber flag. If they say, I could lose this because of these reasons, great, well done. Because you're mm-hmm. looking at you're looking at a different way. You're looking, what, what haven't I done? What have I missed? Why am I going to lose this? Not convincing yourself with happy ears. Here's all the reasons I'm going to win it. Now you're blinkered to why you probably won't. Mm-hmm. You believe in your own BS, <laughs> right? Yeah. As soon as you start doing that, you're in big trouble, I reckon. <laughs> so, so, what's the best sort of sales tip that you've ever that you've ever given out in terms of your sales guys? What's the one number one thing you think that people should focus on if they've to get the best results? So, no, the number one I still do it today constantly is the questioning. I'm going to go mm-hmm. back to that right because it's about asking que- layers of questions and looking for what I call white space. So what haven't you um, uncovered? So let let me give you a simple, a very simplistic example of that. Someone says, well, yeah, they've said said they're looking to, if if the customer quite often will volunteer, yeah, we're looking to spend, we're thinking to spend 20 to $23,000 or pounds on this. Great, they'll say, well, I've got the budget. They've said they're looking at 20 to 23. My first question is why? Why is it twenty to twenty-three? There's mm. a reason for that number. Why? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Okay. And <laughs> if the value is there, it, does that mean they won't buy something that's more expensive because it's got to fit with that? Well, I didn't ask that. So you know, the question straight away, someone says that to me is, "That's a great number. Thanks for sharing that with me." 
Um, why is it 20 to 23? How, how have you calculated that number? And it will be, oh, we used to pay that for the old solution, or, well, that's all we've, that's something that, that the so-and-so has said, they think that should it should cost that or whatever. Because yeah. what if you're 35,000, you get a discount it therefore, or what are you gonna do? Yeah. Right? And yeah. have you ever bought anything where you'd sort of thought it was that, but it's been more expensive? Try buying a car. Yeah. Try going to buy a car and, and work out that, like I I just recently bought a car and I said, I'm only gonna pay X dollars per month. And I set them a goal for that. And then they came back with a higher price. I said, nah, not until you get to that closer to that price. And they said, well, the only way that we can get closer to that price if you pay a little bit more deposit. I said, okay. Let's do that. So they, their thought process was trying to solve that problem because they knew that I wouldn't budge on the monthly amount. And I think that's a you know a great way to kind of get the best price and negotiation tool. But at the end of the day, I did pay probably more, but I got the payment the where I wanted it to be, and that was the goal, right? It wasn't at the price; it was the payment. That's the point, John. Is, is what I heard you say there is they sent me. If I get. How many times people listening get the customers say, "Oh yeah, send, send me a best price, mm. send me or send me a, send me a pricing note." Sharpen the pencil. That's what I usually get. Like sharpen the pencil. <laughs> and, and, and people just send it, and it's like I get my guys are old, you know, just, and I say to them, just phone them. I've got a call. In fact, I've got a call after this one where someone has said, "Look, we like what you've got. We want to talk about the commercials. Perfect. You've said the right thing. You want to talk about them? Mm. Absolutely, mm. because." You know, if you're going to ask me for this, I'm going to ask for some, what? Well, what are you giving me in return? Are you giving are you giving me a multi-year contract? Mm. Um, well, well, no. If if everything is one-sided and the customer saying, well, I want this, 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 I want you to move all these things and do this differently, right? What what are you giving me in return? Nothing. Yeah, to take well, the risk, the lower the risk of the of the delivery, right? Because well, at the end of the day, sometimes the, it's going to cost more. Well, you knew the you knew the price during during the process. Mm. So, and you engage with us on that basis that we could bring value. And, and and let me remind you, when we talked about it, you said, yeah, and, and I listened for those nuggets, right? Of Well, you said this is a no-brainer. You said this is a no-brainer when we first spoke about, oh my gosh, that's easy to justify. Mm. So help me understand why we're now talking about this. So it's it's about listening, asking questions throughout the sales process. It is not about a negotiation just at the end. People think this negotiation is at the end of a process. No, it's not. Mm. Actually, everything you do during every part of engagement is preparing for any conversation. The negotiation is already happening all the way through because at the end, all you're having is a conversation about other stuff that's already been discussed, if you've yeah. done it right. Yeah, it's true. Um, but it's a conversation. It's don't just move your numbers around and, and email them back over. And then you get a, yeah, that's not quite there. Could you do this? And then email them again. Just mm. jump on a, a call, speak to them. And ask them, why do you think we can do that sort of level of price? Well, mm. well help me. <laughs> and you get, right? And it's a conversation. You get a lot more done, a lot quicker. And you also build more rapport with that individual because you're talking to them. You and don't you're build rapport. You're yeah. How hard is it to build rapport electronically? You build well, a nugget for people. Here's what I talk about with, with my salespeople. You've got a money box in front of you, a piggy bank. And... Every time you engage with that customer, you put little coins in of rapport. Okay, mm -hmm. so if I speak to you and we have a good conversation, a chat, a bit of a laugh, maybe we talk about the, the European football that was on or COVID or whatever it is, little coins go in, right? Mm -hmm. If I send you an email, yeah, you could argue there's a coin of rapport in there because we communicated, we didn't converse, we communicated, but it takes a lot more. If we have 10 emails, 
I bet in one conversation I can build more rapport with you than 10 emails. Mm-hmm. So have a conversation. And, and don't think you've got a relationship until you've got quite a lot of coins in that piggy bank. You, what you've got is rapport. And don't ask more of the customer than you've earned. So what I mean by that is if you... Oh, you're spending the coins more, when you send the emails, aren't you? <laughs> well, yeah. If you've just, if you've just had put two coins in that piggy bank, don't now ask the customer for a big ask that you think you've got a relationship. Well, you haven't. And I'm now asking you for more than I've put it put in. You can't take more money out of a piggy bank than you've put in, right? Mm. So don't ask for a relationship type response or, uh, you know, gift from the customer if you haven't earned the right to ask for it. And that's the mistake a lot of salespeople do. Oh, I've got a relationship with them. No, you haven't. The piggy bank says you've got a bit of rapport. Mm-hmm. And what you're now asking them for is, is to open up about something which you haven't earned the right for. And that's why you get a no and you get ghosted. Mm, true. Well, the only thing I've always done in the past is, you know, I do it habitually now and I didn't even realize that I learned a long, long time ago was that when I have a conversation with someone, if they ask about, say, oh, look, I've got this great little checklist or great little piece of information or whatever, or can help you with something, to promise that in, in the conversation and after you get off the call, give it to them, send it to them straight away. And I've always done that and it works not, you don't always get a sale from it, but it proves to the person that you're reliable, that you do what you say you're going to do. And the reality is you've done very little, but you've given them what you promised to do and you did it quickly. So they think, oh, that's a good response. That's, that's you know, they're impressed with it. A little tiny, it doesn't have to be anything. I always don't pick anything too complicated to send them, but just something. Absolutely. It works every time. Like it's a simple every conversation. Lesson. Yeah, every conversation I have with the customer, I watch them making a note of, of something or other and then I'll, you, they'll say well let's talk about the commercials so we understand what they are and they'll making a note and i'll say look i'll talk you through the commercials now transparently absolutely by all means take your own notes but i'm going to email you afterwards exactly what you've said so you've got a point of record mm. of what mm. we've just discussed you just ask a couple of questions i'll get you the answers and i'm also for what we do it's appropriate i'm also going to attach a few images and screenshots around um, what i've just shown you as a, as a aid memoir, mm. so that when you talk to someone internally, or you go, well, what was it? You've got a few, I'm not going to send you tons of stuff. I'm going to send you what will help you remember what we spoke about and also have the facts around what we spoke about so you can hold me to account if even if you get your notes wrong or you can't find them. Is that okay yes. with you? Oh, absolutely. Fantastic. Because you're helping them, right? You're documenting yeah, it for yeah. them. It's great. And then you do it. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. That's a great idea. All right, cool, man. Like now we're running out of time, but some really good nuggets there. So we'll, um, I'll, um, I'll certainly um, put them in my playbook as well. <laughs> so thanks so much for your time. Th- tell me how can people get in touch with you if they want to, um, and, and what sort of clientele or customers are you looking for in your current sort of situation if they want to get in touch? Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. So we um, to get in touch with me. You can reach me at ianmoist.co.uk and ianmoist.cloud. There's a personal branding tip in itself. It's cheap to get your own URL, um, but they will take you to my link, LinkedIn and Twitter social mm-hmm. accounts, the two that I'm most active on for business. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my, the business I'm with is One Up Sales. Uh, that's oneupsales.co.uk. And what we help people with in simple terms is we plug into your CRM phone systems around our phone systems we suck the data automatically and we turn it into nice dashboards and competitions and incentives for your sales team so we drive motivation engagement and increased productivity which results in increased revenue and sales and it's pretty straightforward pretty easy nice. um 
you switch it on quickly and it drives results it drives growth which is what people are looking for particularly coming out of covid it's interesting mm. because people are looking to re-engage their staff right particularly if they're remote workers and make sure they know what kpis they're, they're driven by and all this stuff and we make that easy for you so that's uh, what we do i mean take a look at our website thank you Cool. Thank you very much. So um, we'll talk again soon sometime when we talk about something else, but maybe after we have get through this whole COVID thing, we'll talk about the new sales deals. <laughs> Look forward to doing that. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's a wrap on another awesome episode for the Startup Secret Show for Nippinors. Just before you go, if you like this episode, we'd be very grateful for a five-star review. Please also consider recommending the show to a friend or two. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at StartupSecrets.show right now. Until next time, if you're an entrepreneur, make a start on your next great business idea today.